Welcome to River of Life, and thank you for listening to this message today. If you enjoy this message, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I am a poor, wayfaring stranger While traveling through this world below There is no sickness, toil, or danger In that bright land to which I go I'm going there to see my Savior. I'm going there no more to roam. I'm just a-going over Jordan. I'm just a-going over home. And I can sing that because... Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? If you know it, sing it. At the cross, at the cross, Where I first saw the light And the burden of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. And what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of jesus Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power it soothes my doubt and calms my fears oh and it dries all my tears the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power for it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley oh the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power cause there's power power wonder-working power in the blood of the lamb there is power power wonder-working power in the precious blood of the lamb one more time there is power power wonder-working power in the blood of the lamb there is power power wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Isn't it amazing how the Lord inhabits the praises of His children? That when we truly praise Him, the Lord shows up. And I got to tell you, I am believing that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to sing just like that. <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed probably, but uh, that'll be the only thing in heaven that would disappoint me. I sat down with a man a while back and heard an all too familiar confession. What he said, and this won't be verbatim, but it's close. He said, Pastor, I love the Lord. He said, I love this church. He said, I really do. But he said, Pastor, I've got some sins and some weaknesses and some habits that I just can't get rid of. I want, uh, let me just stop here and tell you, friends, there is a place for honest confession. I think that's a first major step in the right direction. 
He said, no matter how hard I try, they just will not go away. And then he said, I just can't win the battle. So I'm asking you this morning, what do you think I should have said to this man? How should I have responded to that? Had he been talking to you, how would you have responded? What would you have said? What advice would you give him? Shouldn't I as a pastor have the answer? Shouldn't we as a church have the answer? Shouldn't we be able to tell sincere, genuine people who've been born again, but they're still dealing with sinful habits? Shouldn't we be able to help them map out a way, a blueprint, how to get out of whatever they're in and to start serving the Lord? Now, I could have told him that you need to read your Bible. I could have told him You need to pray and get involved in a prayer group. I could have told him you need to come to church and you need to be faithful in church. I could have told him that he needed to fellowship with other Christians and get plugged in, all in. But I didn't say any of that to him. Do you know why? Because he was already doing all of those things. He was doing every one of those. Coming to church, involved in Bible study. He was fellowshipping. But he was still confessing. Now. At that moment. I just want to be real honest with you this morning. At that moment. I did not know what to say to him. Not really. I didn't. Now, I could have done what I'm pretty good at. I could have just chattered away and acted like I knew. Preachers are pretty good at that, you know. In fact, a lot of us are good at acting like we know when we don't really know. I just didn't know. The thought crossed my mind, oh my goodness, I've been pastoring all these years and I do not have an answer for this man. And when I went home that day, I felt like a failure. I felt like a complete, total failure. And what I did, I'll recommend to you when you feel like a failure. I got in God's word. I didn't ever want to be in that situation again. I'm supposed to have some answers. By the way, child of God, you're supposed to have some answers. We're supposed to know the word of God enough that we can give people answers. Not just pray, come to church, read your Bible pay your tithes, hang around Christian people. Those are good things. Don't get me wrong. But there are people who do all of those things and they're still in bondage. I went home and I got in the Word. And I started studying and I asked God to give me some direction. And amazingly, I found myself in a passage of Scripture that I memorized almost 50 years ago. I've quoted it hundreds of times, but I never really comprehended the deep meaning of that passage of Scripture. 
This morning, the title of my message is Dead to That. Dead to That. You'll understand the title a little better when I read the text. I'll be reading from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. I usually quote it, but I don't want to quote it today. I want to just read it. Follow along with me as we think on the subject, Dead to That. The Apostle Paul says, again, Romans, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 1. We'll pull it up on the screen. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, friends, this is rapid fire repetition, isn't it? Dead, dead, death, dying, crucifixion, buried. This is all about death. And that's the reason I've entitled it Dead to That. Listen, uh, let me just condense it. Paul is saying in these 11 verses, if you're a child of God, you're dead. If you're a child of God, you died. If you're a child of God, you're dead to sin. If you're a born-again child of God, when you got baptized, you got baptized into death. For all these years, I felt this passage was about baptism. It's not about baptism at all. It's about death. And he's using the illustration of baptism. That when you went down into the waters, you were baptized into death. That you were buried with Christ through baptism into death. That you were planted in the likeness of Christ in his death. That you were crucified with him. It's all here. That the body of sin might be completely destroyed. And then he says, because you're dead, you're free from sin. You see, I, there's a part of me that wants Paul to say, this is how you get free from sin. But Paul says, because you're dead, you're already free from sin. The Bible's a strange book, isn't it? He, he says, because you died with Christ, you also live with Christ. You're alive with him. 
And because you are dead to those things, they have no more power over you. And Paul says all of that to bring us to this grand conclusion Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. Wow. Reckon. Do you know what the word means? Uh, I've, I've looked at it for weeks now. I've had others to help me look at it. It means to act like. It means to comprehend the fact. It means to think that it's so. It means to have a mindset. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. What, what he's saying is, the truth is you died. The truth is you are dead to those things. Now it's time for you to start acting like who you really are. Now it's time for you to reckon it to be so, to live like it's so. He, he's saying, you need to believe it. You need to confess it. You need to act like it. You need to put it into practice in your life. Act like you are dead. Have you ever thought about that? How do you act like you're dead? Well... I, I've been meditating on this for a while, and I, 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 I should have a better illustration, but I don't. So here goes. Can you imagine going to a funeral service, and you're doing the viewing part of it, and you walk up to the casket, and you look down in that casket, and you don't want anybody else to hear you, but you got some things on your chest you want to get off. And you lean down in the casket and you whisper it. And you say, I just want you to know you are a jerk. <laughs> You've always been a jerk. I know it and you know it. I, I, I just got to I got to say it. You're a poor excuse for a human being. And I know that preacher's going to say some nice things over you today, but you and I both know it's all a big fat lie. And I can't miss my last opportunity to tell you exactly what I think of you. You're a big jerk. And while I'm at it, I want you to know you're ugly. And you got a big mouth. And you're the town gossip. And you've made people's lives miserable. And I just want to say farewell and good riddance. The world's going to be a better place without you. Now, can you imagine? Now, none of us would do that. We may have thought it a few times, but, but we wouldn't actually verbalize it. Can you imagine the person in that casket all of a sudden sitting up and saying, you've gone too far now. You've stepped over the line and I'm going to put you in your place. No, it's not going to happen. Why? They're dead. 
They're dead. Let's change the scenario a little bit. Maybe this is a drinking, gambling, cussing, fussing, fighting, drugging. Did I say that already? (laughs) Drugging guy. And one of his buddies comes up to the casket. And you know, he's, he's there. And his buddy leans down and says, I just want you to know that I had to, I had to go a long distance to get what I've got. But I went, I went and I picked up some, some of the best drugs that money can buy. Boy, this will make you feel good. And I got them in my hand and I'm going to slip them in the casket to you. I just want you to have them. Can you imagine that guy in that casket going? Thank you. No, no, there is no word. There is no insult. There is no temptation that can cause that person to respond. Why? They are dead. That is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. You are dead. You've got to act like you're dead. And and Paul is driving home a point. He says it over and over and over. You are dead to sin. You're dead to the ways of the world. You're dead to the temptation of the enemy. You are dead. Now it's time for you to start living like you're dead. Let's go back to the title. Dead to that. Dead to that. I want to teach you something today, and I want you to take this home with you, and I hope you'll never forget it. And that is that the next time the enemy moves in and comes against you, and he will, he will, before the day is out, more than likely, he's coming in. The next time sin and temptation come face to face with you, I mean, it's a frontal attack. The, the, the next time uh, fear and anxiety try to take hold of your head and your heart. The, the, the next time a spirit of depression tries to pierce your soul. The next time the enemy tries to draw you away into something inappropriate. The Apostle Paul wants you to understand a deep and spiritual truth. You died to those things. You are dead to that. You don't have to respond. And and I will tell you something else, child of God, until you believe that, you're going to wrestle with this. But when you come to the conclusion that you're dead to sin, you're dead to that bondage, you're dead to that way of life, you're dead to that language, you're dead to those filthy habits, until you come to believe what Paul said, you're going to struggle here. And that's the reason some Christians never get out of a vicious circle of in and out of sin, in and out of strongholds, in and out of problems, Because they haven't realized that they're dead. Now, this is a hard truth to get your brain around. But I want you to listen to me. It is the truth. If you are a child of God. If you are a Christian. You've always been dead. You've always been dead. You you see, 
You see, the moment you got saved, you died. Child of God, listen, this is so important. The moment you got saved, you died to that old way of life. You died to those habits. You died to the weakness of the flesh. You died to those strongholds that hold so many people. You died to the ungodly, the unholy, and the perverse. You died to those things. And you're dead. Do you know if you study this passage of Scripture as I have, you're going to find out that not one time in this passage of Scripture does Paul say you need to die. He doesn't say one time in this passage of Scripture you should try to die. He doesn't say work at dying. He says you need to come to the deep spiritual truth that you are dead. That you've already died. That it's already under the blood. That it's already taken care of. That the battle's already been won. This is about getting us to believe what Christ did on the cross. How he paid our price. How he set us free. How he opened the prison doors. How he delivered his children. Now, if that prison door is open and you're willing to sit in that prison for the rest of your life, that's your business. But how foolish is that? Not one time. Does Paul say, you need to work at this? In fact, if anything, when you read this, you begin to pick up a sense of frustration, divine frustration. Paul says, no, ye not. Don't you understand? Don't you get it? Haven't you figured it out yet? That you've already died. You're already dead. It's already done. We talk about this all the time. Our religion is not about do, it's about done. It's not about what we do, it's about what he has already done. Don't you get it? That's what Paul is saying. No, ye not. Don't you understand? Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Child of God, listen to me. You are a dead man. You are a dead man walking. Child of God, listen, you're a dead woman. You're a dead woman walking. Teenagers, listen to me. If you've been born again, if you've received Christ, you are a dead teenager. You're a dead teenager walking. And why would Paul put the Christian life in such a context? Because I want to tell you, friends, the whole purpose of salvation is death to something so that you can live on another plane, so that you can glorify God, so that you can magnify his name, so that you can live on a higher plane. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. You can't get to that higher ground until you understand that you are dead to the things of this world. I heard a story young in my ministry. It was given by Dr. Bailey Smith. And uh, it, it just found lodging in my heart. It was about a, uh, a church in Texas and a woman by the name of Maggie. Maggie played the piano for the church. <clears throat> they were having revival. 
uh, one week and one night, Maggie was at the piano. The sermon had been preached. The invitation was given. Maggie is playing the piano. And then all of a sudden, a man stood up in the congregation and walked down the aisle weeping, put his hands in the pastor's hand and prayed to receive Christ. Well, when he did, everybody stopped singing. You could have heard a pin drop in the church. Every eye went to Maggie sitting at the piano. You see, the man that walked down the aisle had killed Maggie's husband. He murdered him. And he got off on a technicality. And he just walked down the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus. She stopped playing. It was quiet as a mouse. Every eye on her. She gets up from the piano bench. She walks around to the altar. She walks up to the man. She reaches up and pulls him down. And she kisses him on the cheek. Goes back to the piano and starts playing. After the service was over, they ran up to Maggie and they said, Maggie, how could you do that? How could you do that, Maggie? How could you kiss the face of the man who killed your husband? Maggie, you got to explain this to us. How could you do that? And Maggie looked at them and she said, I didn't. The man that killed my husband died the moment he trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Maggie understood something that we need to understand. When you come to Christ, you die. And friends, it's not just death to an old way of life. It's death to the whole system of sin. It's dead to everything that's evil. It's dead. You'll be dead to ungodliness and worldliness. You, you got set free. Our Savior did not do a half-hearted job when He saved you and set you free. He did it right. Now, the whole idea of Scripture is for us to learn what He did, to believe what He did, and to put it to practice in our lives. That's what this is all about. I, I'm asking you today... To add three words, three words to your spiritual vocabulary. Dead to that. I, I'm just asking you to do that, to take those three words. Why? Because they are words that are grounded in the Word of God. This is the Word. Dead to that. The enemy's coming for you. you. You're going to be assaulted. He's going to tell you lies. He's going to try to get you upset. He's going to try to hold you in bondage. And not only will he try to do those things, he will do it successfully until you come to a biblical truth and you're willing to stand on it that you have been redeemed by the Son of the living God. His blood has set you free and you are dead to that. Whatever that is, he's throwing your way. You're dead to that. 
Oh, friends, <laughs> when sin and temptation come at you like a whirlwind, just pull it out. Dead to that. I think it's time for you to say it. Say it with me. Dead to that. See, pull it out. You say, oh, pastor, I don't believe that means anything. Well, well, do you believe this means anything? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You believe that? Does that mean something? Does this mean something? If God be for us, who can be against us? Does that mean something? How about this? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Does that mean something? I'm telling you for 11 verses, Paul says, you died. You got crucified. You are dead. You no longer live according to this sinful world. Can't we say that also? Shouldn't we say that? Shouldn't we believe it? Shouldn't it be a part of who we are? Oh, my goodness. So, some years ago, I was on the golf course and uh, played some golf with these guys. Some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. There was a foursome. And the next day, my phone rang. And one of the guys said, Pastor, I have got to talk to you. I just want to tell you that what I saw yesterday was one of the greatest demonstrations of Christianity I've ever seen. I'm, I'm still just blown away. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around what I just, what I witnessed yesterday. And I just called you. I want to thank you for one of the greatest demonstrations of Christianity I've ever seen in my whole Christian life. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know, you know what happened yesterday. And he told me where. I said, brother, I am sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. And he tried to explain it to me. I said, listen, break it down. Start from the beginning. Tell me everything about the story because I am clueless. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you know, the guy we were playing with got mad with you. I said, he did? <laughs> he said, yes, and he called you an ugly name. I said, he did? <laughs> he used some bad language. He was cursing at you. I said, he was? He said, and I watched you just smile, and you walked over and put your arm around him. You said encouraging things to him. He said, I've never seen anybody react like that. I thought that was Christianity at its best. And I said, man, let me tell you something. I never heard one word. <laughs> I was completely deaf. I didn't hear it. I said, I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. But I want to tell you, the Lord's never let me forget that. Because here's what has crossed my mind. Had I heard it. Had I heard what he said, would I still have received that same phone call saying that was a beautiful display of Christianity? I fear not. Oh. But the Holy Spirit's told me over and over and over again, that's how I want you to react to sin. I want you to act like you're dead to it. I want you to act like you're deaf to it. 
I've called you. You're on a mission. And, and, and so, so, boy, that stuck with me. There's a passage of Scripture um, that, if I can find it, here it is. This is from the Message Bible. It's verse 11. It says, from now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. Now, I want to tell you, this may sound simple, but friends, this is not simple. This is something that we are to believe, stand on, and we're to work toward. To come to the conclusion that we're dead to sin. I I've preached earlier in the year. Most of you remember the message, passing the test. Well, we got on that for a while, didn't we? Passing the test. These three words will help you pass the test every day. That temptation comes dead to that. That thing catches your eye, you say, oh no, I'm dead to that. That person tries to hurt your feelings, oh no, I'm dead to that. I'm not, I'm not having a part of that. You, you see, friends, uh, if you're willing to use, and by the way, you don't have to say those three words. Make up your own three words, but just make sure that it's based on the word of God that you have already died, that you've been given a new life. That you are dead to the things of the world. It's a good starting place. It's a good starting place to bring you out of bondage. If you know somebody or you yourself are already in bondage, then start confessing, I'm dead to that. You say, Pastor, will it go away immediately? Probably not. But I can tell you, if you start believing it and confessing it, it will bring you out of bondage. It'll tear down strongholds. It'll bring you out of sin. It'll drop temptation in its tracks. I'm dead to that. That's not going to work on me anymore. I'm not going to listen to those lies anymore. I'm talking about living in Christian victory. I'm talking about living a life that glorifies God. Now, I've come to the conclusion only in the last year. I I think this has been happening my whole ministry, but I've come to the conclusion this last year that God will let me as your pastor go through some things so that I'll stand here in the pulpit and tell you about it. And I got to be honest with you, that scares me just a little bit. The other day I was working in my yard. I was mowing and working in my yard. I take a lot of pride in my yard. And then all of a sudden something happened to me that's, that's, it's just not normal for me. It's not natural. It's not my personality. It's not my demeanor. But it, it was like this spirit, this foreboding spirit just came over me. And it was like a dark cloud. And then I started having these thoughts. What if something happens to my wife? What if something happens to my children or my grandchildren? What if, what, what if, what if there's an automobile and all these thoughts and then I got this serious feeling of anxiety. I've never had a problem with anxiety before. I even called my brother Charles Whatley and I said, brother, I think I'm having an anxiety attack. I said, would you pray for me? He said, yes. And, and, and so I'm out there in this, this darkness. And then I thought this has only been like three days ago. And I've been working on this for a long time now. And then I thought, how slow am I? How slow am I? And I just stopped. And I just said right out loud, dead to that. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that anxiety. I'm dead to that depression. I'm dead to those feelings. 
And, and I got to tell you, I just kept saying it. And the more I said it, the more it felt good. And the more it felt good, the more I said it. Dead to that. I'm dead to that. Satan, you're not going to do this. You're not going to put. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. I am dead to that. I'm telling you, the cloud disappeared. The sun came out. It was beautiful. I, uh, about a week ago, I was with some guys, not on the golf course. I don't play golf all the time. I was with some guys and one of them insulted me. He, I mean, he said something ugly to me and, and I wish I had not heard him. It's, it's easier when you don't hear but he said something ugly. There were several other people around. And he said something that was cutting. It was ugly. It was demeaning. It was insulting. And I'm not making this up. While it is coming out of his mouth, nobody heard me say it. I said, dead to that. I'm dead to that. And then I acted. I did hear, but I acted like I didn't hear it. And I changed the conversation and started talking to somebody else. I think it confused him a little bit. Red-headed people have a reputation, you know. <laughs> you try to pick a fight with a redhead and you, you're, it's on. But I just turned and started talking to somebody else. Well, don't you love it when you confuse the enemy? Don't you love that? Dead to that. I said, I'm dead to that. I want to tell you, when I left that group and I headed home, I've never felt so good about being insulted in my whole life. It just felt good. I, I, I felt like I had just taken down a giant, a demonic giant. Now, I don't think the man who said it was a demon. I think he's a good man. But I think that the enemy can use any of us if we let our guards down and the enemy spoke through him and the enemy tried to attach something to me that Jesus died for on the cross a long time ago. And I went home in victory. Listen, my job, our job, we've got a lot of pastors in this church. Our job is to help you. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ until we all grow up. I'm paraphrasing until we all grow up to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. This is a growing process. I can tell you that what I've shared with you today is not, a, is not everything. There are a hundred other spiritual truths that you'll need, hundreds of spiritual truths that you'll need on your journey. But this is one. It is a beginning point. It will help you to come to this truth and embrace this truth that you're already dead to sin. You died. That moment you said, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my savior. He came in, but you died. And to hold on to that truth, I'm telling you, it will help you on your journey.
that thing that you haven't been able to get out of your life, you need to start talking to it and talking to yourself. I am dead to that. If it takes a week, if it takes a month, if it takes a year, you keep confessing it until what you're confessing becomes a reality in your life. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're teaching me, Lord. I feel ashamed that I've <clears throat> had to learn some of these things late in life. But Father, I know we're all growing. None of us have arrived. We're all learning. And I pray, Father, that You'll take every member of River of Life, every born-again, saved member of this church, and that you will begin to reveal your truth to them <clears throat> through the preaching of your word, through the teaching of your word. And I pray that truth, Lord, will be something that we apply on a daily basis. Lord, I would ask that you would take these words, these three words, dead to that, whatever it is the enemy's throwing our way, and that we would use those words to walk out of whatever the enemy's got for us. Lord, we love you today. And Lord, I just want to ask if there's somebody here who's not saved, that this would be a day that they would end an old life, begin a new life with Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also want to encourage you to check out River of Life this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.